Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we just finished a series we've been doing for about three years, Prayers to the Creator. The final passage in the Bible that you considered to be a prayer to the Creator was in Revelation 15. Mm -hmm. But even though we're done with the series, there was something you highlighted from that passage that you wanted to discuss today. Yes, Scott, that prayer in Revelation 15 is a prayer of praise and worship, anticipating the final phase of the Almighty's judgment on humanity. That is the final phase of the Great Tribulation. That's right. So, obviously, the events being described are severe judgments from the hand of God, the lawgiver and judge of the world. And as we discuss that passage, I pointed out that throughout the Bible, God consistently reminds us that He is the one and only God and the one and only creator of everything, the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, including man— And it is on that basis he claims the right to judge. The principle being the maker of a thing is the owner of that thing and therefore can do with it what he wills, including judge it according to whatever standards he sets. Precisely. Well, we've mentioned that principle on many occasions. And what I wanted to do today was demonstrate that what I'm talking about is not what I say, it's what Scripture says. That's a great idea. (laughs) I knew you'd prove. (laughs) But Scott, the idea of judgment is not at all a popular one, whether it refers to one person judging another or the Creator judging His creation. But that doesn't excuse us from warning those around us. In fact, although at least to a certain extent, the people of God are hopefully expectantly waiting for God to judge the wickedness and injustice in the world. I think we all have an inexpressible sense of anxiety or concern about talking about it and thinking about what is going to happen when God does unleash his wrath. I agree. We're all much more comfortable with the message God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Which is true, although I think an awful lot of people's idea of what that plan is, is misguided. Probably. But in any event, thinking and talking about the judgment of God is definitely not popular with the world's mindset. When confronted with the idea, the sinful reaction ranges from indifference to scoffing to anger. And do you notice how anyone who warns the world of God's coming judgment tends to be depicted as an out-of-touch wacko or a destitute wanderer pushing all their possessions around in a grocery cart and holding up a tattered cardboard sign? (laughs) Well, if you can belittle the messenger, it's easy to discount the message. A strategy that has worked for millennia and a strategy that the Bible even exposes. In Peter's second epistle, he warns the believers in his day and us of the coming judgment of the Lord. And knowing how easily even we believers forget, intentionally or otherwise, he writes this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, 
Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But the present heavens and earth, by his word, are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Judgment and destruction. The message that the rebellious heart of man refuses to heed, and one of the tactics is to mock it. But to make the point we began the program with, the connection that is made between God as the creator and God as the judge is not something I say. It's what scripture says. A lot. Yep. And here in 2 Peter 3, we see a prime example. It was by the word of God the heavens existed long ago. That speaks of God creating the heavens and the earth. And it was by that same word the world was destroyed, being flooded with water. That speaks of God judging all mankind in Noah's flood. And that same word is today reserving the heavens and earth until the Creator decides to judge and destroy the world again, only this time with fire. It couldn't be more clearly stated, could it? Nope. But it's just like the passage we read, Dr. Scripture. People say, yeah, people who believe that Bible years have been saying that for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But I look around and everything might not be wonderful, but things are going pretty much like they always have. I'm fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) Exactly. And such a response shouldn't surprise us. But what we need to avoid is being lulled into complacency ourselves and having a mindset that everything is going to continue as it is. When my children were younger and living at home, I would have them help me pick up brush and limbs from the woods on our property. And sometimes a tree would fall and I'd cut it up and we'd throw it into a big pile to eventually burn in a big bonfire. Well, I'd often wait many months before burning it, and some birds and rodents would make their homes in it. And so when I would have the children work with me and throw more brush on this big pile of wood, I'd tell Luke and Carolyn, those animals are not building their homes in a very safe place, are they? Because this brush pile is being reserved for fire. Hmm. You see, that brush pile was mine. It was on my land, and at some point I was going to burn it up. It was totally my judgment as to if and when I wanted to get rid of it. I think it was a powerful object lesson for my children, which I know they still understand to this day. And it's a lesson the Lord frequently teaches his people and the rest of the world if they'll listen in the Bible. Now, we've seen this lesson in 2 Peter, but as I said, it's taught consistently throughout the Bible. So what I want to do is look at several other passages that make this connection between God the Creator and God the Judge. The first one I want to look at is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, the prayer of Hannah. Ah, as I recall, her prayer was one of the first in our Prayers to the Creator series. That's right. So let's start reading at verse 6, and we'll read through verse 10, Scott. All right. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. 
He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Yes, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. The earth which he built and owns. And why do we know that? Because it said, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. Correct. So there's that connection between the creator and the judge. So now let's look at Job chapter 9, and we'll read verses 5 through 10. It is God who removes the mountains, they know not how, when he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place, and its pillars tremble, who commands the sun not to shine, and sets a seal upon the stars, who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea, who makes the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades in the chambers of the south, who does great things, unfathomable and wondrous works, without number. And now let's skip down to verses 14 and 15. How then can I answer him and choose my words before him? For though I were right, I could not answer. I would have to employ the mercy of my judge. So here then, Job expresses the fact that God is his judge, and it's based on what? He made everything. <laughs> I love how Job puts it, wondrous works without number. Yeah, that is a, a marvelous way to put it, isn't it? Yep. Okay, so now let's read a couple of passages from the Psalms. In Psalm 75, verses 2 through 7, God is speaking. When I select an appointed time, it is I who judge with equity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. Selah. I said to the boastful, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high, do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And then another one we'll read is in Psalm 94. Scott, read the first two verses of Psalm 94. O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, render recompense to the proud. And now I'll read verses 8 through 10. Pay heed, you senseless among the people, and when will you understand, stupid ones? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who chastens the nations, will he not rebuke? Even he who teaches man knowledge. And so I trust everyone is catching these references to God as both creator and judge. So then the last passage that we'll have time for today is Psalm 96. In this psalm, the gods man makes are compared with the true God who made the heavens. And just like in Revelation 15, the righteous are called upon to rejoice that the creator is going to come and judge the world and set everything right someday. Psalm 96, starting at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. 
Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.